0: Amen. Take your Bibles and open to the book of Acts this morning. We'll be looking in God's word together there. I'm also uh, want to say something about the Annie Armstrong missions offering because sometimes we think that goes every place in the world, but uh, where we might have the opportunity to see it work in its effect. I wanted you to know that, uh, that that military church plant that we saw there in Oklahoma, we have two of those military church plants. One of them was the first one Uh, that was brought to uh, the military bases. It's called Branches in Dell City, uh, right off of Tinker. And then we have Brady Sharp uh, that's out at um, uh, Lawton, uh, working at Fort Seal. And so we have two churches in Oklahoma that are military church plants, working with not just the uh, soldier, but the, the family members of the soldiers. And so those dollars come right back into our state to do that. But another thing that you might be interested in knowing that We have about 36 uh, church plants that are in uh, the North American Mission Board system. And all of them, because of last year's offering, are now uh, receiving their health benefits from the North American Mission Board and Guidestone. And they get also a, uh, a little stipend for their, uh, for their retirement. Now, that might not sound a lot uh, to, to, norm, to normal situations in churches. But uh, the one of the biggest hindrances to planning churches in North America was health insurance. Can you imagine? Uh, it's it's one of the hindrances to a lot of things in North America, isn't it? But uh, we're we're excited that uh, the offering uh, has been able to make that a part of uh, what God is doing in Oklahoma. So whatever you hear, uh, know that uh, when you give to that offering, you're you're giving to uh, planners in Oklahoma, and you're making a uh, a real impact in the gospel going to the parts of our uh, our nation that uh, are underserved with the gospel. So, that being said, um, I, I have fulfilled my duty as an employee of the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma. <laughs> no, no, no. That has nothing to do with what I do, but I will tell you this. I am excited about what God is up to in, uh, in our nation. I do believe that we are seeing a, a time where people are open to the good news of the gospel. We have uh, had some perilous uh, situations in many of our homes when uh, people begin to pass away from a virus or a infection that, that really just caught the world by surprise. And we start to see life and death played out in so many different ways. We see the tragedy of, of the war that's going on in Ukraine. And we, and we know that, that there is something that has to be more to life than this uncertainty of day-to-day living. And because that there's a lot of people questioning about that uncertainty of day-to-day living, those of us with the good news of Jesus Christ, we have a door that is flung wide open for us to tell the story of Jesus Christ. And we have the power to do that. So I want to take this week and next week to talk to you as a congregation about uh, the power that God has granted to you as a congregation, as individual followers of Jesus Christ, so that you might expand the gospel kingdom. And I want to do this because I want you to be prepared to receive a new pastor. Amen? Because uh, that's pretty good amen. Amen. Look, uh, they call me the closer at the Baptist building. People, they call me the closer because when I go and preach, in about four weeks they have a pastor. I don't care how long they've been looking. They, they find one in four weeks. And so, uh, that's just the way it goes. But, I, I do know this. I know that you have questions to your new pastor. But on this side of it, I promise you, your new pastor has questions of you also. Amen? He wants to know if you're going to be the kind of people that are going to follow what God... ...calls the church to do. He wants to know if you're the kind of people... ...who are going to walk in the Spirit of the Lord... ...and you're going to be sensitive to the things that God is doing. And if that's true of you, and I believe it is... ...if that's true of you, then God is going to do amazing, great things... ...through the work of First Baptist Church Enid. And all you have to do is connect to this power supply... ...that the Holy Spirit has given... Now, I'm old enough to have lived through the, the energy crisis of the 70s. And for those that are too young to understand that, let me tell you uh, how I can put this in perspective. In 76, I was getting my driver's license. We had lines for gas in 76. People were waiting to see if they could fill up their tank. We had every other day, depending on what your, your tag said, we had to go every other day to get gas. Now... Here's the big thing, there were people in my generation that really, really began to have a powerful prayer life right about that time, because all my friends that were older, they had been cruising Dell City and Midwest City, and when the gas got so expensive, my dad said to me, I don't think it's going to be prudent for you to get your driver's license, you can't drive anywhere anyway. Oh, thank God, we came through it, amen? Amen. And we, got, and we got that driver's license, and we were able to cruise and do all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you, there, uh, there is fear that comes with the energy crisis comes upon the land. Right now, we're in a sort of an energy crisis, are we not? And so there's a little bit of anxiety that comes to each of our lives because everything is affected by the energy crisis. All of our livelihoods are all... Uh, affected by what happens or doesn't happen based on this energy supply? Well, in God's Word, I want us to know that the church also is in an energy crisis. I have noticed that throughout our state, there are churches that are having a severe energy crisis. And by that, I don't mean that they are having... Fossil fuels that aren't being provided for them or electricity or wind power or solar system. I'm talking about they are missing out on the power that has been provided for them through the Holy Spirit of God. You remember in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus was about to ascend the heaven, he told the disciples to wait there in Jerusalem and that the Holy Spirit was going to come. Now, we don't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit in Baptist life because we're afraid that we're going to get a little... Loose or, or, or maybe we're going to act out. And, let me tell you something. I haven't seen a Baptist church yet that was in danger of getting too loose. Or too over the edge with the Holy Spirit. But we need to remember that God has given us. An unlimited power supply in the Holy Spirit of God. And so when the disciples waited, the Bible says in verse 8 of chapter 1, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses with me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And so God's Word tells us that we have this unlimited power supply. And what we need to do is figure a way for us as individuals and as a congregation to plug into that power. How do we connect with the power of the Holy Spirit in our life? And so I'm going to look at an acrostic, but I think it comes right out of these first few chapters in the book of Acts. The first thing I want us to see is if we're going to have the power of God and connect to that power... We're going to have to be people of prayer. We're going to have to pray. And we talk about praying all the time. In fact, if you want to really clear out a Baptist church, call a prayer meeting. And we'll have about 20 people who will show up faithfully to come because they think that there might be food served. I mean, we have a hard time coming together to pray. I I will tell you, I have thought to myself this very week, I thought, you know what, last week we we took time in the service to pray for the believers in Ukraine. But But I asked myself, how many times did I find myself in private praying that God would intervene in the lives of those who were being tortured and tormented in that war-torn country? And so it's important for us to remember that we're not going to have the power of God in our lives or in our church unless we become a people that is connected to God and plugged into God through prayer. Because it's in prayer that God's Spirit speaks to us. Now, it's important for us to pray because Jesus had a habit of praying, did he not? Jesus, before he did anything that was significant in the New Testament, we find that there is a preceding season in which Jesus separated himself from the others, and he had a, con- a conversation with his Father. And it was him connecting to the Father through prayer that enabled him to see God do amazing, amazing things. Have you ever had God show up through your prayers? Have you ever had one of those moments that you look back on and you say, you know, that is just, that's just God. That, that, there's no way that happened, except that God did that. Now, I'm hesitant to tell you because I, I wish that this happened in my life all the time. But it, it doesn't. In fact, this is one of the few times that something like this ever happened in my life. The pastor that I was serving with in, in eastern Oklahoma, he was, he was convicted, uh, or convinced and convicted by the Holy Spirit that there, were a, there was a family that we needed to go share the gospel with. The young girl had been a runaway... And she had had some traumatic experiences while she was in her uh, condition of running from God and running from her family. And so she was brought back to her grandparents' house. Her grandparents were lost as well and didn't know Christ. And so we had a season of prayer at his house. And we prayed for that entire morning. Then we left to go talk to this young lady. As we were going to talk to this young lady, there was a man that was at his trailer house and at his trailer house he he rarely rarely would be found and so brother uh, uh, our, our the pastor he, brother Bob, he decided that we were going to stop there before we went to the girls' house. We got to the guy's house and he opened the door and we walked up to the uh, inn and brother Bob started sharing the gospel with this man and while Bob was right at the middle part of the gospel presentation, I saw this other guy pull up. Now, we knew that these, these two young men had been involved in, in drug trafficking, and so we knew that this young man needed Christ. His family, was in, his parents were in the church where we serve, and so we'd been praying for him. And so here this guy pulls up and parks in the driveway. Well, I'm sitting, at the, I'm sitting in a chair, and I can see the guy's car pull up. Brother Bob is sharing the gospel. The guy is walking up. I know if this guy gets in, this guy's not going to give his life to Christ. And I start praying. I start praying like I've never prayed before. I asked God to have the guy turn around. Have the guy leave. And then he got out of his car. I prayed, God don't let him open the gate. He opened the gate. I said, God, don't, don't let him come up on the porch. He came up on the porch. I said, God, don't let him knock on the door. And as he stood there at the door, he just stood there for a couple of seconds, and then he turned around, he walked out, and he got back in his car, and he drove off. Brother Bob shared the gospel with the young man, and the young man accepted Christ that morning. When we walked out, and he walked us out to our car, that other guy pulled back up. He said... Man, I just had, well, he said some words I can't say. He just said I had an interesting experience. He said, I got all the way out here from town, and when I got here, I came all the way up to this door, and for the life of me, I couldn't remember who lived here or why I was here. And I got back in my car, and I left. And I about started to cry. Well, okay, I did. I'm a weenie, baby, sissy, pansy. I started to cry because I knew that God had showed up so this other young man could hear the gospel. I'd never experienced anything like that in my life, but it happened that morning, and it happened just like that. Bob shared the gospel with the other young man. He didn't accept Christ, but here's what I do know. His friend his friend did. His friend was baptized, and his friend changed his life radically and is still in the church today. What an amazing God we have. That would have been the most exciting day of my life. Except we still had to get to this young girl's house. And so we prayed that God would use us as we did that morning for several hours having had that prayer time just the pastor and I. And as we started to go there was a van that was pulled over and it had a bunch of teenage boys in it. It was out at Lake Tenkiller. And so they were, they were stuck out there on the road. And, the, and, the, and the, the pastor said, Hey, is those kids that were walking down this uh, road here, are they with you? And he said, Yes, they are. So the driver was there, and the kids were walking down. They were trying to go to to gas station. He said, Look, this road is not a, not a good road to be walking on. I'm going to go pick them up, take them in, to the garage, and have the garage come out and get your car. He said, That's great. I sat down, I said, well, I'm going to stay here. So I sat down in the van with the guy. We got out, we looked under the hood, which meant nothing. I don't know why in the world we did that. and Neither one of us knew anything. I could tell where the battery was. And so there was nothing that we could do. And so I started to share the gospel with him. Guess what happened? As I shared the gospel with him, I started to pray that God would use him, use me in a special way, that perhaps this was one of God's divine appointments. Guess what? I asked him, is there any reason why you wouldn't want to give your life to Christ right now after he had, uh, after he had prayed? The whole time I was telling the gospel, he was doing this to the key. <laughs> he was praying, God, start this car so I can leave. And I was praying, God, don't let that car start until I finish the gospel. And guess what? After he denied Christ and refused to call upon Christ, I said, all right. And and by this time, he just stuck his hands down by his side and he said, I, I'm not interested in, in religion right now. And I said, okay, I'm not offering religion. I'm relationship with Christ. He said, I'm, I'm just not interested. I said, all right, start the van. Let's go. He said, the van won't. <clears throat> and it started. We drove in, met the pastor halfway down. I got out. And the pastor said, what happened? I said, I don't know. I can't tell you. But whatever happened in that prayer time this morning, God is at work. And when we got to that grandparents' house and that young lady was there, there was a whole bunch of family who had come in to see that young lady and to see those grandparents. As we were pulling in, they were all walking out. They, everyone left as we pulled up. They were already on their way out. They didn't leave because I was there. And then, so they were already walking out. And we walked in, and I took that young lady into the kitchen. I shared the gospel with her. She got saved while the pastor told the grandparents about the Lord, and they got saved. If we, hadn't, if we hadn't been distracted by those two other experiences, then she would, they wouldn't have heard the gospel because all that family would have been there in that room. Now, I wish that happened all the time. But I'm going to tell you, it happened that day. It doesn't happen every day in my life. I wish it did. I don't know what was different about that day other than the fact that God wanted to use Bob Cherry and myself to do something extraordinary that day for His kingdom. What would have happened if we hadn't spent that time in prayer? What would have happened if the pastor hadn't been burdened for the loss in his community? What would have happened if we hadn't spent time connecting with the Spirit of God in prayer? I'll tell you what would have happened. Nothing would have happened that day. Nothing would have happened that day. And I promise you that I look around our state and I see church meeting after church meeting after church meeting. And over half of our churches baptized nobody in a year. Do you understand that? On the Southern Baptist Convention, we we have over a third of our churches that haven't baptized anybody in two to three years. You know why that happens? Because they're not connecting to the Holy Spirit in prayer. Because when you pray fervently, something happens in your life and in the life of the church. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much... And so if you want to be the people that God wants you to be, you have to be a people of prayer. But not only do you have to be a people of prayer, you have to be a people of obedience. You have to pray and you have to obey. Now, there's no need to pray if you're not going to obey, right? I mean, if you're not going to do what the Holy Spirit says to do, then there's no reason for the Holy Spirit to give you the power. There's no reason for you to have the power anointed upon your life if you're not going to do what the Spirit calls you to do. Now, you say, well, I'll do what, if I, in prayer, if God tells me to do something, I'll do it. Well, let me ask you this. How much of this book do you know that you're not doing? I, I promise you, you, you're not going to do more just because you pray. You're, you're, you're probably going to do about the same that you're doing now if you're not willing to be obedient to the Holy Spirit of God. When the Apostles were told by Jesus to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came. What if they had dispersed? What if they had done other things? What if they had left and what if they had had gone their own way? Would the Holy Spirit... I don't know. But I know this. When they obeyed what Jesus told them to do, the Spirit of God came upon them and God used them in a mighty way. We have to be a people who are obedient to God's Word. We have to pray. We have to obey. And we have to witness. Are you following the acrostic? Do you know where we're headed? We're headed to power, right? So we're praying, we're obeying, and we're witnessing. And our witness isn't coming from a position of superiority. We're, we're, we're just people who have been saved ourselves. We, we sometimes forget what we've been saved from. I, I mean, some of us were saved so young, we, we don't know what God has delivered us from. And some some still know what they were delivered from, but it's been so long ago that the freshness of the Spirit of God has moved from your life and you just are no longer enthralled by the fact that God did something miraculous in your life. I was preaching revival in Last Chance, Oklahoma. Now listen to me. If you can't preach a revival in Last Chance, then you might as well give up the ghost. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm in Last Chance, Oklahoma, and uh, and I'm preaching at the Last Chance Baptist Church, and the pastor there is a bivocational pastor, and on the Tuesday afternoon, he said, I have a lady that I want us to go share the gospel with, and I said, absolutely. So we get in his car, we drive out into the country, we go down this road, and then we, go to, we get off the blacktop, we go down the dirt road, and then all of a sudden we turned to an area where there should have been a gate and a pasture, but no gate, and we turned in. It looked like there might have been just a, a, a car or a tractor or something that had come up and down uh, in the same place, and you know how that works. Somebody drives into their land, they just drive the same route every time, so it's kind of beat down well it wasn't really the, it wasn't even really well beat down but but we followed that around, and I thought he's going to take me out here and kill me because there is nobody out here in this pasture and so we get out there, and all of a sudden, I see a what looked like should have been an abandoned trailer I mean, it looked like it should have been abandoned, but when we got up closer, there were dogs and there were guineas and there were pigs there were Cats and I mean cats after cats after cats, there was two cats for every pig i mean there it was just it was just crazy, and so we walk up and as we 're walking up on the steps the step, the the step is is wobbling and and it's, it 's just like it 's just going to fall through. And he knocks on the door, and when he hits that screen door, the screen wasn't there. It was just the frame of a screen door. And when he hit that door, a cat jumped straight out. And I'm going to tell you, I about had a heart attack. And, and, and he just kind of stepped back, and that cat ran away. I'm highly allergic to cats. I mean highly allergic to cats. And so I'm thinking, oh, this is not going to be good. And inside there's a voice, and this, and this lady says, who is it? He said, this is a preacher. And he said, Preacher Jim, come on in. And so, Jim and I walked in the house. And when we walked in the house, it was it was the filthiest thing I've ever seen in my life. There were animal droppings everywhere. Let's just put it that way. And I, and I, and if you've ever been in a barn, you, you know the aroma of the I mean, it a it, knock you over, right? I mean, it's, the ammonia smell was so... I, could, I couldn't breathe. I literally was having trouble breathing. I'm allergic to cats. There are cats everywhere. But I couldn't get over the fact that sitting there was this lady. And, and she had this guinea that was sitting facing the wall. So the backside was right here next to her. And it had been there a while. The way I know, there was stuff coming down her shoulder. I am, I'm nauseated. I'm, I am grossed out. She said, Preacher, have a seat. I look at this couch. I, I'm just going to leave it. I said, I've been sitting all day. I think I'm going to stand. And, and the preacher said, Okay. And he sat down. And I thought, Oh, my God. Gosh, I can't believe that. He sat on that nasty couch. And then she said, Preacher, would you like a glass of water? He said, Do you want one? She said, I do. He said, Well, let me get it for you. And I looked over into the kitchen. There's not a door on any of the cabinets, there's as many animals laying in those cabinets as there are glasses. He goes over, gets two glasses. He says, Alan, you want a glass? I said, no, I've been drinking all day. I know, I, 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 I'm going to stand here. And... He gets those two glasses. And I promise, they're, they're, they're not clear. And he hands her that glass of water, and he drinks his glass of water, and he shares the gospel with her. She doesn't get saved. He's shared the gospel with her many times. I, pr- I prayed for him while he shared, and, and we walk, and we walked out. I'm telling you, I can't describe what I experienced. It was so bad. We get in the car, his truck, and we start going back through that field. I looked over at him. I said, Jim, how did you do that? He said, do what? How did you sit on that couch and drink that water? How did you do that? And he stopped. And he dropped his head. And I'm looking at him, and all of a sudden, tears start coming down his face. Jim was bivocational pastor. He was a superintendent at schools at Preston. He 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 was a man of means. He was a man that had that and and he's and he's just he's just weeping. And I don't know if this is I don't know if this is a family member, if I've offended him, or what's going on. I said, Jim... What's going on? And he said, He said, Oh, Alan. He said, I'll tell you how I did that. I said, Please. He said, I just think about how I was when Jesus found me. You see, I thought I was all clean. And I thought I was living the big life. And I thought that everything around me was pristine. But in actuality, when God looked at me, He saw me in the filth of my sin. Just like you saw that lady. He saw that I was eating and drinking the fares of the world that was filthy and disgusting. And he knew that he could give me something new. He could give me living water that was fresh and clear. And when he looked at me, he saw me in my depravity. And he didn't see me as a person to be pitied. But he saw me as a person who needed a savior. And Alan, all I saw when I looked at that lady, and every time I go back to her house, all I see is a lady who desperately needs the Savior to deliver her. I thought to myself, oh my. That, that, is, that is our life, is it not? Our salvation came at great expense to the Lord. He left pristine heaven to come to a dirty filthy world to die on a cruel ugly cross so that you and I might be delivered from our from our filth and from our sin for us we pray we obey we witness and we encourage first Thessalonians says therefore encourage one another and build one another up oh i just tell you that if you are a church that is truly a church, or you're an individual, a true individual, who knows what it is to encourage other people, you will not be able to contain the crowds. There is. We live in a generation where everybody is negative, and everybody is tearing at each other. I, I wish it was social media that we could brain, but we've been doing it long before social media came along. We, we will talk about, and we will criticize, and we will snip at people all the time. And the church is, no, is not immune from that kind of behavior. We, we oftentimes are critical of our, of our brothers and sisters in Christ. But what would it be? What would it be if we were not a people that were known to be critical and, and discouraging... What if it were known that we were a people who truly loved and encouraged one another in the faith? That's why it tells us here in chapter 2, it says this. It says in verse 46, And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of mind, praising God and having favor with all the people. And what happened? And the Lord added daily... To their numbers. People wanted to be where they were encouraged. Where they were given hope. Where they were given help. I promise you. We live in a very discouraging society today. We have people that feel that it is their privilege to tear down. And they now are gifted at tearing down. And they take great pride in it. But, But listen. We've all been torn down. We've all been criticized. We've all been critiqued. We've all had the trouble that comes when people are saying bad things or ugly things or, or even things that aren't correct, but they, they, they make us sound horrible. What if we were people? What if the church was the place where people could come in and every word we spoke was a word of affirmation? You know what the Bible says? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good. To the building up. To the building up. You know, I think that that we would have such a power of the Spirit of God upon our life if we could control this little thing called the tongue. If we could just control that tongue. And we could speak the word of God with love and encourage the the people that come. Oh, what God can do. If we're a church that prays, obeys, witnesses, encourages, I promise you, you will be a church that rejoices. Can you imagine the joy that that the apostles had as God was adding daily to their numbers, those who were being saved? Do you know what joy it is In the life of a church, when people are walking the aisle and getting saved weekly? I mean, every week, somebody's getting saved. I know. I grew up at First Southern Dale City. I never attended a church service. When I started going to church, I never attended a church service that somebody wasn't saved. Somebody was saved every single time. The first time I went to church service and somebody wasn't saved, I went to church when I was at Washita Baptist University and one of my professors was preaching. And when the invitation came, nobody went forward. I thought, I can't go to church here. Spirit of God doesn't even reside here. Little did I know that I would go to multiple churches and I would see multiple invitations given and nobody walked the aisle and you know what there wasn't much joy in those churches there wasn't much rejoicing in those churches there wasn't much celebration in those churches but I found a church where the people shared the gospel and people got saved and there was much rejoicing. I, I, I think I've told you, growing up at First Southern Dell City, we had some great pre- preachers in my time. We had John Bazzano, Jimmy Draper, and Bailey Smith. And every time, somebody got saved. But you know what was interesting? I wouldn't tell them, because I don't want to hurt their feelings. But it wasn't their preaching that got anybody, that got that many people saved. And it wasn't their preaching that got somebody saved every week. You know what got people saved every week? An energized congregation. Because every single person that walked the aisle had a church member that came down and stood by them that had been sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And when the people in the pew are empowered with the Holy Spirit and God begins to use the people in the pew, God will empower the preaching of His Word and people will be saved. Oh, I'm going to tell you, I know, I know it is your heart's desire and prayer that you will be a people who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm praying that you will be a people who are fast to pray, that you are fervent in your prayer, that you obey what God's Word tells you to do, and that you don't do it slowly, but you do it immediately. ...that you're faithful as a witness of God... ...that you are an encourager of one another in the body of Christ... ...and that you will find the joy... ...the joy that comes from walking with God. Let us pray. Father, I just want to come before you now. And Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit... ...would empower us from on high. And Lord, to empower us, to plug us into your power stream means that we have to be willing to be used by You. There's no need for You to empower us if we're going to be disobedient. There's no need for You to empower us if we're not going to be Your witness. God, there's no need for us to have Your power if we're just going to do church. Because we can do all the things that we do in church, and we can do them week after week, month after month, Year after year. And your Holy Spirit doesn't even need to show up. We can sing and we can talk. And we can preach. And we can do all of those things. We can serve the community. We can do all of those things. But the one thing we can't do. Without your Holy Spirit. Is we can't see lives transformed. We can't see. The joy that comes to a person's life when they repent of their sins and believe upon You. And so, God, I pray that, Lord, we will have a desire and we will have a sense of urgency in this generation to be filled by Your Spirit that we, as Your witnesses, would see souls saved And the joy of the Lord fill this place as new converts are brought into the family of faith. God, that means that your Holy Spirit is going to have to work in our lives. For some, Lord, it's going to mean that we're going to have to be faithful, fervent in our prayer. For some, we're going to have to be obedient to what your Spirit has already told us to do. We've been asked to teach, we've been asked to serve, we've been asked to step up, and we've given a million excuses. But Lord today we need to just be obedient. We need to be your witness. You've, you've spoke to us, and we know who we need to share with. We just haven't done it. Father, some may have a quick tongue or a critical heart, and God, you need to turn that to A voice of encouragement. And Lord. We need the joy that comes from knowing you. However your spirit has spoken to us today. Whether we come forward and pray at these steps. Or whether we just speak to you. In the quietness of these songs. As we respond to your invitation. Lord let us make the adjustments. That your spirit has pointed out to us in our lives so that, Lord, we might be filled with the power of God, obedient to the work of the cross. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand with me? As God's Spirit has spoken, would you respond to him this morning?